Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Friday, September the 7th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, this is the last time you guys are going to hear from me before the Dolphins kick off the 2018 season. We'll do some last-minute prep on those Titans, get you caught up on some injury news, give you five keys to the game, and finish things up with one last 2018 season preview. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast. Give me a follow on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. And of course, check out LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one blog in the Locked On Network. We have tons and tons of content up there for you guys, getting you ready for everything you need to know about Dolphins and Titans. And of course, last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. We have some injury news. Let's go ahead and get into that. And as he does, the Mad Dog takes us into our injury and news items for the day. And the news is not great regarding tight end Marquise Gray. He was placed on injury reserve on Thursday after suffering a torn Achilles in Wednesday's practice. Gray is 28 years old. He's in the final year of a contract, and it's probably worse for him than it is for the Dolphins team. Certainly, he was going to have a role in 12 and 13 personnel packages. And of course, for you guys that don't know, that is two tight ends and three tight end packages. But he did only play 12% of the offensive snaps last year in 2017. I assume that number would have increased this year, but probably not beyond the 26% of the snaps that he played in 2016, which was his career high. So he's always been a role player, and he will certainly be missed. And what this means for the tight end room... Look, I'm not buying into the idea that he was the quote-unquote starter, and I think some of the beat writers probably put that in each of their headlines, if you saw the reports on Thursday. They put that in the headline for the shock value of it because, let's be honest, Mike Kosicki is the number one tight end on this team, and that hasn't changed. But what it does mean is that Durham Smythe he needs to get ready for primetime because it's he's up. That's how this league works. One guy goes down, the next guy comes up. So we'll see if he is ready. If not, Gavin Escobar was brought back to the team. He played okay in the preseason. I thought good enough to garner discussion, but he really never had a chance to crack this tight end room as it stood with Kaseki, Smythe, and Gray, and even Derby. But now he is back. He'll be the fourth tight end on the roster. It should be interesting to see which tight ends they dress for this game. Gasecki and Derby for sure for my money, and then probably one of Smythe and Escobar in that field as well. As for other injuries, it's good news for the Dolphins. Jakeem Grant has been cleared, and he will play in the game on Sunday. So will, too, William Hayes. Frank Gore did not practice on Thursday, but it sounds like that was just a veteran's day off. He should be good to go for the game as well. As for the Titans, they are absolutely banged up right now. Jack Conklin still limited in practice. They might give him a go, but if they do, I think it's a terrible idea. He is barely nine months removed from ACL surgery. Harold Landry is not going to play in the game. He's out. He's a key rush linebacker for them. Sounds like Rashawn Evans won't play either. Those two rookies were going to really play a lot. Rashawn Evans is going to be an inside linebacker, probably a starter de facto playing 
most of the snaps in this game. And Derek Morgan, the other rush linebacker on the outside, he was a full participant. He should be good to go. So was Brian Arakpo. So was Rashard Matthews. So they're down their starting right tackle, inside linebacker, a key rush backer. And the Dolphins are down, for my money, their fifth receiver and their number two tight end. So Dolphins are less banged up for sure than the Titans going into this game. We have plenty more on this podcast to get to. Let's go ahead and crank things up. That's another Miami Dolphins. So we are now just 48 hours away from kickoff for the 2018 season, depending on when you hear this podcast. And I wanted to unload the last of my notes on the podcast here and wrap up this week of previewing a game that really, in all honesty, we've had an eye towards since April when the schedule came out. And the first note here is just the Dolphins' prowess at home that kind of gets brushed under the rug, especially this time of year, and even under Coach Gaze in general. Believe it or not, the Dolphins have only lost one game when Ryan Tannehill and Adam Gaze, that combination, was together on the field. And that loss came, coincidentally, against the Tennessee Titans back in 2016. So they win a lot of games when this combo is together at home. Their winning percentage in home games before Halloween, and the reason I use the end of October, is the weather in down in Miami is a little less than pleasant, as I'm sure you guys well know. All those games dating back to 2012, the Dolphins' winning percentage at home on those games is 110 points higher than their cumulative winning percentage in all the other games. So a better team at home this time of year. Also, the Titans' new staff. And remember that famous quote from Bruce Arians that it typically takes about eight weeks for a new offense to really take hold and for everyone to have it mastered and down. Now, that wasn't the case last year for Sean McVay and the Los Angeles Rams. And they also had Matt LaFleur down there in LA, who is now the Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator. But generally speaking, it's a tough transition. This is going to be the first year LaFleur has ever called plays. And not to mention they had to alter some of their stuff because of the Luke Falk swap coming over to Miami. So we'll see how they adapt to that. It could be a challenge for them. They have much greater potential, in my opinion, to look ugly than the Dolphins do. And the reason I think that is because are we entirely convinced that Mike Vrabel is even any good as a head coach or qualified for that matter? I think Dean Pease is great. But what has Mike Vrabel done? We mentioned it on the podcast yesterday. His Texans defense was dead last in points per game last year in 2017. And speaking of Pease, I talked about his ability to disguise coverages and confuse the quarterback, overload pressures. He's a phenomenal play caller and defensive coordinator. Well, the Titans have an issue like that of their own at the quarterback position. I put some tape on of Marcus Mariota, both from 2016 and 2017, because he was hurt last year, and that really affected the style of play that he goes with, obviously the running quarterback that he is. But that dude is just not sharp from a processing standpoint, from the mental side of the game. He looks like he makes the throws just to make the throws. He rarely accounts for coverage rolling out or off of a certain player. He locks onto reads and very, very rarely goes through progressions. He's a one read and get out type of guy. That's been his main objective. And that's why I hated his game going back to Oregon. Even when he was in college, he struggled big time on third and long. And if the Dolphins can keep the Titans out of third and short, keep them in that third medium to long, they are not going to just win this game, but destroy the Titans if that's the case. That is, however, a big ask given the Titans ground game. And speaking of that, we'll have plenty more, including my five keys to the game. We'll do that next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Rolling on on this Friday podcast, the pseudo game day podcast for the Dolphins. Let's go ahead and jump right into my five keys for the game and just start right where we left off on the last segment with key number one, of course, talking about keeping them in third and long. 
And this Titans team wants to use play action. They want to get Marcus Mariota out on the edges of the defense, on boots and nakeds, that type of thing. And in order for them to do that, they're going to have to establish a ground game. So what I would do if I was Matt Burke, I would challenge Marcus Mariota to beat me deep down the field. And I would do that by playing an aggressive zone defense that challenges the receivers right at the line of scrimmage. He's not sharp enough to dissect a zone. And if we can disrupt those routes early and force him to try to try his hand down the field in the passing game, that will keep the Titans in third and long because... The Dolphins are a bit of a hybrid zone man team, but they do like to run more zone than man. And if you stay in that zone coverage, but press at the line of scrimmage, it disrupts those early routes. And it also allows your holes in the defense to be deep down the field. I think with this pass rush, obviously Dennis Kelly blocking Cam Wake is not a good matchup for them. If you can do that, disrupt the early timing and rhythm, force them to try downfield. They miss a couple of those passes. All of a sudden it's third and 10. Dolphins will absolutely tee off and win if that's the point. Key number two for the game, dictate the pace of the game on offense. Use that up-tempo offense. Keep it going all game. The Titans only have five defensive linemen on their active roster, so they're not going to be ready for the South Florida heat. And when they get hit by the fourth quarter heat wave or the humidity kicks in or the running game has worn them down, they will certainly feel the effects of that. And the more plays they get ran in this game, the more it benefits the home team, our Miami Dolphins. So limit the mistakes. Try your best. I know you can't really control penalties, but do your best to really limit those and keep yourself ahead of the chains. And the key to a up-tempo, no-huddle offense is gaining positive yardage. So have plays in your book that get you positive yardage, get you ahead of the chains, allows you to keep that pace and get to the line of scrimmage without a huddle and keep this Titans defense from substituting and get those legs tired and worn out by the second half and they'll be able to control the pace of the game in the second half that way as well. Key number three, win the special teams battle. These games early on in the season are always very, very sloppy. Teams are not yet ready for primetime. There's muffed punts. There's shanked kicks. Take advantage of their miscues and don't make those mistakes of your own. Don't bring out kickoffs that go six yards deep into the end zone. Half of the time they do that, there's a holding call, a block in the back. You wind up starting your drive at the 10-yard line, and before you know it, the other team has possession inside your or in plus territory in your own territory. Do not commit penalties on those special teams plays. That hidden yardage adds up so big. They are absolute killers, especially this time of year. And sometimes the team that plays the cleanest wins the game. And like I said, that is very, very true for these September games. So number three, win the special teams battle. Key number four, and this is the only one that I have that focuses on a specific player. And it's the guy that I'm most worried about just taking the Dolphins to the shed. It's Deion Lewis. He's done it in the past. They've done it with James White up there in New England. These versatile running backs that can flex out, catch swing routes, catch screen passes, They just have a way of always killing this defense. And so if you can just find a way to keep him in check, I think he is a key to this football game for this defense and keeping the defense from getting burned on those third and six little outlet passes or having Mariota with that little check down or that little security blanket. They find Lewis, he breaks a tackle, and all of a sudden the drive continues on because that was the big weakness for this defense last year, third and long defense. And if they get him in a third and long, they have to win. And a big part of that is just controlling what Deion Lewis does in this game. So key number four, preventing Deion Lewis from killing you in this game. And the final key, key number five, is the running backs in the passing game. This Titans defense has some new linebackers in the middle. They're replacing Avery Williamson. Rashawn Evans is not ready to go. They're a little bit thin at that area. They're not overly athletic. They're kind of like the 2017 Dolphins linebackers. They don't move very well. And Mike Vrabel traditionally does not use a whole lot of dime defense. 
So you get Kenyon Drake, Frank Gore, and Kalen Balaj involved in the passing game. That will help the pass protection, keeping them honest. It will keep their linebackers moving laterally rather than working downhill. It'll stunt that pass rush and just help improve the offense in general and give Ryan Tannehill more time back there to find out what he has to do to process that defense and get things done. So number one, keep him in third and long. Number two, dictate the pace of the game with your offense. Number three, win the special teams battle. Number four, have an answer for Deion Lewis. And number five, use the running backs in the passing game. That's going to be the key to the game. If all that stuff can get done, the Dolphins will cruise to victory. And personally, guys, I cannot wait for this opening day. This is what you live for, what you ask for. I think the Dolphins are really going to show well in this game. And although they probably won't be a major talking point on mainstream media networks, actually, they won't be. I don't have to say probably. I guarantee you they won't be no matter what happens in this game. They'll be deserving of that when they get things done. And we'll have you guys covered here, as always, post-game. I have my format for the Sunday night recap show all planned out. That was my primary show last year, the flagship show that got all the attention from you guys. And I really appreciate all the downloads and all the fanfare on Twitter. It goes a long, long way for us here, more than you guys can possibly know. I cannot wait to get that episode out to you guys. So hopefully we have a win to celebrate and a fun podcast to get into. Before we head into our final segment today, LockedOnDolphins.com has a ton of content up on the site. So please support the site and the podcast by checking that stuff out. My game preview up there right now, about 2,000 words talking about the schemes, the players, the injuries, everything you guys want to know about Dolphins Titans from yours truly. It's even more in-depth than what I've talked about on here, as well as Jason Harina, our staff lead. He has just been crushing it all summer long. He has a fantastic piece up there about the perception of this Dolphins team and why he believes it's total crap like most of us do as well. So check that out. And I think Skylar Trunk has a post, a, a piece posting today talking about the matchups in this game. As always, guys, we are your go-to source for all things Miami Dolphins football, and that does not change one iota this week. All right, guys, next I'm going to give you some of my picks for this team in 2018. I'll give you my final score prediction, my college picks, and get the hell out of here. We'll do that next on Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Locked On Fins. As prediction season winds down and comes to an end, I'm going to pump out one last episode talking about predictions. And there are some unique ones I came up with before the show. Just wanted to talk about, we're going to do the first one here. The best players by position on this roster. We'll start with quarterback Ryan Tannehill. Don't have to get into that. The running back Kenyon Drake, pretty obvious one there as well. Offensive line, I'm going to pick Laramie Tunzel to really step forward this year and become the lockdown left tackle we all hoped he would be. He is uber talented. I think last year was a bit of a learning curve for him. I think he really takes the next step in 2018 and becomes exactly what we need him to be at left tackle. As far as the wide receivers go, I am going to go with this one's so tough. I'm going to take Kenny Stills. He's so reliable and such a key cog to this offense. He's usually healthy. He has a great efficiency numbers, has a great rapport with Ryan Tannehill. So Kenny Stills, top receiver on the team. Tight end, Mike Gesicki, no question there, especially after Marquise Gray's injury. Defensive ends, oh, Cam Wake and Robert Quinn. Who is it going to be? I'm going to stick with Cam Wake, our resident Hall of Famer here and future Ring of Honor member for the Miami Dolphins. I would be remiss to go against him. Defensive tackle, I'm going to say it's going to be Vincent Taylor. I think I really like what he did at the end of the year last year. I liked his preseason. I think he is going to elevate up the depth chart as the year goes along and become a key cog on the defensive tackle rotation. Linebackers, 
It's between Raekwon and Jerome Baker for me. I'm going to go with Raekwon McMillan just because we need him to be that guy. And I think the Dolphins defensive staff really kind of built the group around him in terms of relying on him to be that guy. So I think what you saw in preseason was more of a knocking the rust off, getting things back and going. I think he'll be fine going into the season. Cornerbacks, Xavier Howard's going to be lights out, locked down this year. I feel very good about that. And safety, it depends on what you consider Minka Fitzpatrick, because I think he is going to have an excellent year. I think he is actually going to surpass Rashad Jones and TJ McDonald in that regard. So I'll go with Fitzpatrick as a safety, even though he's going to play a lot of slot cornerback there. So that's my picks for each position. As far as who I'm most excited about to watch on this team, it's Ryan Tannehill. I mean, we've missed him so much. Jay Cutler did un- undeniable damage to this team and this organization and how people view this team last year because basically he cost them a lot of football games. They played really poorly and it all goes back to the quarterback and somehow that carried over onto Ryan Tannehill. So I'm very excited for him to earn the respect that I have for him to earn that respect for the rest of the fan base because he absolutely deserves it. Who am I most concerned with? And the cool part about this question is that I don't have like an automatic answer for you guys because I think this team is going to be pretty solid across the board. There's not a lot of glaring weaknesses. What I'm most concerned with is that defensive tackle position. And I'll say Akeem Spence, provided that he gets enough playing time to earn that distinction as the most concerning player because they seem to love him, what he can do in this scheme and his obvious connection back to Chris Kusarek, the defensive line coach. So he's my biggest concern going into the season. As far as the team's record, I am sticking with it. I haven't changed it since February when I made the proclamation on Twitter, I believe it was. I'm going 10-6. and I'm going playoffs. I'm going playoff win, bowing out in the divisional round with a loss to the New England Patriots and bringing all that predictions back into this game. I want to say this is going to be a blowout, but I'm going to call it closer than that where the Titans crawl back in with a backdoor touchdown or field goal late to make things closer. And the final score winds up 30 Miami Dolphins, 23 Tennessee Titans. Dolphins get to 1-0. We head into the Jets for the big road game, a big road test, and a division rival week number two to face Sam Darnold and those upstart Jets up there in New York. And as always, we'll have you guys covered on that game as well. As we are back to football, baby, I cannot wait. Real quick, a big shout out to the Miami Sports Wave. Dave does a fantastic job collecting all the content from all around the fan site world of the Miami Dolphins, and he promotes the hell out of my work. So please check him out. He is at Miami Sports Wave on Twitter. And real quick, before I get out of here, I have to give you guys my college picks. And I know it seems a little bit fishy last week because I gave you guys four games and I had two picks that were off the docket in terms of the podcast. I had Northwestern and Purdue that were off the docket. I took Northwestern. They were underdogs. They won outright. I wound up taking the under in the Florida State-Virginia Tech game because I saw the weather report. It was supposed to rain all night, and VTech always has a good defense, so that pick worked out very, very well for me. So I am 4-2 and two of my college picks in the green, in the green column, heading into week number two. Here are my five picks this week. Up first, Purdue is giving 16 points to Eastern Michigan. I am taking the favorite in that game. I think Purdue and that young receiver, I already forgot his name, something more. He made those two big plays in that game last week. He is going to shine in this one, and the Purdue Boilermakers are going to get their vengeance in week number two and roll a non-Power 5 school. The next one's the big one, South Carolina and Georgia. South Carolina is getting 10 points. I am taking them and the points. I think Georgia plays a bit of brand of football that might call for a closer game. They both play pretty good defense, and South Carolina has some nice young prospects on that team, so I'm going to take them and the points. 
Iowa and Iowa State, the over-under is 46. I am taking the over on that game. The Iowa State offense is high-powered, and even though Iowa's defense is locked down every single year, that game last year was pretty high-scoring. I think it was in the 30s each, so I believe that game will go over. Clemson is giving 13 points to Texas A&M, and I think if they get Trevor Lawrence out there, that game could be over in a hurry. Kelly Bryant's okay, but Trevor Lawrence is an absolute stud, and Clemson, as they always are, is absolutely loaded, and A&M is just not. And game number five, another favorite. I hate doing this. I have three favorites, one dog, and an over-under. My last favorite is Michigan State giving six to Arizona State on the road. I usually like home dogs, but I'm not a big fan of what Herman Edwards has done in his career. And I think Brian Lewerke and the Michigan State Spartans are going to want some revenge after almost blowing a game last week to an opponent they should have smoked in Utah State. So those are my five picks. Hopefully we stay back in the green column this week, and I hope you guys can get some sleep the next couple of nights because personally, I didn't even sleep last night. I am so excited for this game, but as for now, as for this podcast, as for this week, it is officially closing time. It is time to shut up and let the games be played, so we are going to do that. You guys, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Give me a follow on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockdownFins and keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog at LockdownDolphins.com. You guys have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Sunday for a game day edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up.